welcome back to this week's winners on 88.3 FM, WXOU. And Max Verstappen wins the Austrian Grand Prix and once again he's crushed the opposition at the Red Bull Ring. James Harden, a deep shot. Oh, what a catch! George Springer's doing it all tonight. William Carlson looking for his second short-handed goal in his many nights. And shot score! What a goal! Through his own legs! It's over. The Bucks have done it. The long wait has ended after a half century. The Milwaukee Bucks are NBA champions once again. Inside to TJ Hawkinson. Touchdown Lions. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to this week's Winners in All Sports Commentary Show. So glad you've decided to join me today. I've got a special episode today as we have our first guest ever on the show here to help me talk about some hockey today. And then after that, we'll talk about a crazy start to the NASCAR playoffs and Mercedes switching things up in Formula One. So... Let's get right into it without any delay. So first of all, my special guest today, Dempsey Lordson, of course, from CMU, friend from way back. And uh, I think uh, you'd consider yourself uh, a, a hockey specialist, right? You know quite a bit about the NHL, yeah? Uh, definitely. Uh, I've played a multitude of, of sports throughout my life, uh, baseball, football, Dabbled in a little bit of tennis and golf was never good, of course, um, but hockey definitely is is my area of expertise. So, uh, CMU up there, we talk a lot, of course, about hockey, but you're a Penguins fan in the middle of Michigan. How how did that come to be? Uh, it was just something that uh, was more of a family tradition. Uh, more than anything, right? I mean, your dad likes something, and you kind of want to be like your uh, your peers who you look up to, and uh, it's just kind of how it came to be. And I'm glad that uh, I'm a Penguins fan because over the past 20 years, they've won uh, more championships than uh, most teams. Uh, so I I would consider myself to be very fortunate in that aspect. For sure, for sure. And you're the furthest thing from a bandwagon fan, of course, uh, as long as I've known you. You've been a Penguins fan, and that's rubbed off on me a little bit. And I, I don't want to say that I'm a bandwagon fan because I, it didn't start when they were winning these championships. I hated them when they we when they beat the Red Wings in 2009. And all of a sudden, in 2012, 2013, I started liking this team because you followed them so closely, and uh, I spent so much time around you that it was hard not to. And I, I remember playing... Uh, as the Penguins in a, a lot of, you know, NHL games, I, I think we'd play on, on the old PlayStation, right? We'd play the the really old games like 2002 and make these massive dudes and, and put them on the, the Penguins and play as them. And that was a, a lot of fun. But all things aside, 
championships in the past, 2016-2017, obviously back-to-back, right? Uh, they have been unable to reciprocate that in the last couple of years. So what do you think we can expect from the Penguins this season? Um, I, it's it's going to be a tough year, I think. I think it's going to be another either first-round exit, to be honest, or it's going to be uh, probably the first year they missed the playoffs in uh, 15 years now. Uh, they've had a very good streak, and it's all thanks to their top six and their their excellent goaltending they've had throughout the years and their stellar defense. But after any team, let alone the Penguins, wins a Stanley Cup or makes it deep into the finals, uh, you see players start to ask for better contracts. And because the Penguins have such uh, high-caliber players, Sidney Crosby, Chris Letang, Evgeny Malkin, those people need to get paid. Um, so ultimately, you start to lose players in depth. Um and the Penguins have really struggled uh, maintaining their depth, especially with the expansion draft. They lost Chris Tanev and they lost uh, Jared McCann. So there's two of their best depth pieces gone, and they also lost a couple defensemen as well. So it's going to be a really, really tough year. Hopefully the Penguins are able to snap out of it, but you really think that a first-round exit or even missing the playoffs is possible for them? Uh, I know they're in the Metropolitan Division, which is one of the toughest in hockey, but uh, you really think it's in the cards for the Pittsburgh Penguins to miss the playoffs this year? Um, You know, I wouldn't put it past Sidney Crosby to work some magic and somehow keep the playoff streak alive, but uh, it's something that's been working its way into the making for the past uh, four or five years now. Uh, Crosby and Malkin are pushing 35, I believe. Um, and same with Crystal Tangy. He's got to be 33. They they don't have their star goaltender flurry anymore. They have it for a while. And those things really start to affect the team when your, your star players start to get older. And you have to start wondering, will we trade people? Um, there's been rumors of trading of Getty Malkin for years now. And same with Latang. And uh, they don't have the, the star leadership to replace them. Uh, so it's only natural that a rebuild is imminent. Um, it's just a matter of when at this point, rather than um, who the next guy will be. So do you think then that the Penguins will look for more of a retool? Or do you think that this has been sustained for so long and they don't have the draft capital to be able to retool? Do you think this? <clears throat> It'll be a full rebuild, you know, like full start from zero. You know, Sidney Crosby, when he's eventually gone, you know, there's no one really in line, you don't think, to in the prospect pool to take over for him. Obviously, you know, you can't replace Sidney Crosby. He's one of the best to ever play the game. But you think it's going to be a, a full longer-term rebuild, or do you think it's more of like a retool that, you know, three to five years they can turn over and, and be cup contenders again? Uh, I mean, if, if we've seen anything with the Penguins organization over, over the years, uh, a retool is definitely more in their ballpark. Uh, I think when any team in any sport has uh, the longest playoff streak or they hold any record, they try as hard as they can to maintain that standard of we're going to make the playoffs this year, we're going to extend the streak. So uh, you could definitely see the Penguins trying to do that over the past four years ever since they won their back-to-back cups so uh we could definitely see that until Sidney crosby retires um once their star players retire i mean it's it's a rebuild is imminent um 
it's just a luck point. I mean, the Penguins have been lucky enough, obviously, to get Mario Lemieux, arguably one of the greatest players of all time, and then Sidney Crosby right after Mario retired. So uh, if if the Penguins' luck continues, who knows? Maybe they'll get a number one draft pick in two years here, and we'll be just a short, short ritual. Uh, well, we can hope for the best. Uh, I know all about trying to sustain a dynasty and ultimately having a long rebuild in front of you as a, as a Wings fan here. But uh, switching gears to overall, the league overall, who do you think has the best odds? Which team in the NHL has the best odds before training camp even starts? You know, what, what team do you look at and say, hey, that's a team that is going to contend for the Stanley Cup? Um, one of the most obvious answers, I think, uh, is the Tampa Bay Lightning. They're a team that, obviously, they had some really strange cap contingencies last playoff season. Um, but even looking at their roster like, right now, they didn't lose that much, and they still have all of their star players. They still have Stamkos, still have Kucherov, they're great goaltending, excellent defensive depth. So they're a team that could, for the first time in 30-plus years, win a cup three years in a row. I really think they're a team that you can't overlook them. Just because they won two cups in a row doesn't mean they're going to give up now. There's still a lot of young, talented players, such as Braden Point, on a team that want to win more. Uh, likewise, Colorado, I think, is an excellent team to win the Stanley Cup. They're in a weaker conference this year, especially with the division retooling. And they have players like Nathan McKinnon, uh, Miko Rantanen, who take pay cuts yearly, so that way their team can be excellent in depth. For certain. And would you would you throw the Toronto Maple Leafs into that argument? I know a lot of people like arguing that this team is still ready. And uh, I like to make the comparison that uh, a couple of years ago, remember when Tampa Bay had that embarrassment in the first round, they got eliminated by the Columbus Blue Jackets, and they got swept by them they come back next year and they win the cup and then they win another cup. And I am of the opinion that for Toronto, it's the same kind of thing. I mean, it doesn't really get much more embarrassing than blowing a 3-1 series lead and to the weakest team in the playoffs, no less. And, and that was probably their best shot because that's the easiest route they could have had to the playoffs probably ever. Now that these divisions aren't like that anymore, they're back in the Atlantic where things are going to be a lot tougher and they're no doubt going to have to go through the Tampa Bay Lightning to get to a Stanley Cup. So would you consider the Toronto Maple Leafs up towards the top with those teams? Uh, I definitely would consider Toronto to be a playoff team. I'm not sure if they're a cup contender. Uh, and that's solely for the reason that they don't have that veteran leadership. Uh, they don't have that playoff experience that a lot of other teams in their division have. Uh, they also lost their best goaltender in Frederick Anderson to free agency, so they didn't get anything in return, unfortunately. Uh, they lost a player to the expansion draft who was very good, um, and, but they do have a lot of key pieces that you see in playoff teams, uh, such as Mitch Martin. He has 32 games played, and he has 25 points. Excellent stats in the playoff and the regular season. Uh, their captain, obviously, Austin Matthews, is phenomenal. They have John Tavares. They have a couple good defensive pieces, and they have a lot of good young players. So they have everything a, a playoff team needs. Uh, it's just a matter of 
can they perform in those clutch moments? Can they win a game seven? Can they make it past the first round? You know, um, and that's the beauty of the playoffs. You never know what's going to happen. So they definitely could win a cup, honestly, within the next, you know, three to five years, if not this year. Uh, you'll never know. So then as far as the best player in the league goes right now, I know this is an argument that a lot of people like to uh, avoid, uh, to say the least, but who, who would you say is the best in the league right now? You know, there, there's people who, who say Connor McDavid, hands down, best player in the National Hockey League. Uh, people still say Sidney Crosby is because of all he's achieved and, and he's still playing close to top of his game. And there's people who say Nathan McKinnon. Uh, would you say one of those three, or would you go off that chart and say someone else? Uh, who, who do you think is the best? I, I would definitely say it's one of those three, um, but it's it's quite the obvious answer. I think it's got to be McDavid, hands down. I mean, uh, obviously McKinnon the past few years has been upping his game uh, astronomically. He has been phenomenal, an excellent leader on and off the ice, and he performs day in and day out. I mean, he has games where he puts up seven points a game and five goals. He was unstoppable last season and in a pretty hard division as well. But uh, just looking at the numbers, I mean, it's clear McDavid is a force to be reckoned with. But although he was arguably in one of the weakest divisions last year, 105 points in 56 games is record-breaking. I mean, we have never seen a player in 20 years put up that kind of points per game. It is unreal the things he can do on the ice. In the modern game of hockey, for sure, that is something that uh, I don't think we'll see very often out of a player, and he is special indeed, but uh, you have to start to wonder for McDavid playing on the Edmonton Oilers, uh, is he going to get tired of that? Because, you know, when you're putting up 105 points and you can't make it past the first round of the playoffs, that's uh, that's a problem, uh, I'd say. So you, the Edmonton Oilers have some struggles uh, on the back end as far as defense goes, goaltending-wise, I would say, as well. Uh, and their bottom six isn't that good. Now, do you think that's something that general manager Ken Holland can overcome this year and can still put a good hockey team on the ice? Or do you think it's going to be another year of uh, Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid having to carry the workload? I mean, even if they had, you know, a, a good bottom six and they had a solid uh, 6D man and a good goaltending tandem, I think McDavid and Dreisaitl are just too dominant um, in any aspect of their game to not carry the workload, if that makes sense. They're, they're so good. And uh, to go back to your, your uh, previous question, will they, will they get tired of this? I, I certainly don't think they will. I think the, the duo... Dreisaitl and McDavid have both signed long-term contracts, and they've both made it clear that they want to stay in Edmonton. Um, now, there are other players in the league, Jack Eichel and uh, Vladimir Tarasenko, however, who have, have requested trades, and they've, they've said we're not going to play with our teams. Uh, where do you think Jack Eichel will go this season if he does get traded? Well, that, that's definitely tough as far as, as that goes. The star caliber uh, of Jack Eichel has been taken note, but... Uh, the thing is, is if you're a team on the outside looking in, this is a player that is unhappy, uh, no doubt, in Buffalo. And not only does he want out, which lowers his you know, trade capital, he's, he, but he also, if you trade for him, he's going to need a surgery 
so you're not gonna you're gonna have him for less time. So uh, I don't think that he is as valuable as the Sabers would like to have. And I know um, they're of the opinion that they still have him under contract. So you know if a deal doesn't fall into place, uh, I don't think you want Jack Eichel on your team this year when he has made it clear how miserable he is in Buffalo. Uh, I don't want to say he won't try because obviously these you know players are pl- paid to play the sport of hockey but uh, it's clear when a player is unhappy that they're not going to perform at the top of their level so uh, I don't know where he'll go uh, it's you know clear that Boston is one of the the front runners and, and I think he could add to that the problem would be obviously uh, Boston would have to work some cap magic if they were able to get him on there already having uh, Taylor Hall and others on that team you know Patrice Bergeron is aging so you know maybe once he retires it can ease the cap restraint a little more but this is a team that has a lot of star caliber on it already so to have Jack Eichel on that team is a little far-fetched I think Um, on Sportsnet I know they throw around the idea of a Canadian team picking them up and it's not unheard of for Calgary you know, to pick him up. I don't think he's going to want to go north of the border. I, I really don't think he's going to go to a Canadian team. Uh, I, It's anyone's guess who he could go to. Uh, at this point, it's so far up in the air that, you know, trying to even guess it, uh, you're probably going to be way off. But we'll see where he goes to. As far as Tarasenko goes, though, that's a little tougher. You know, he might stay in St. Louis. You know, he requested a trade as well. Uh, but for him, he's had massive injury struggles over the past couple of years, and he really hasn't been close to the level that he used to perform at. So I don't know what you could trade him for, especially now that every GM knows that he wants out of St. Louis. So uh, it's tougher for Tarasenko, uh, but I think a new team new scenery for Tarasenko could you know be what he needs to you know get back at least halfway back to where he needs to be yeah that totally makes sense um uh, with so many superstars requesting trades it makes you wonder if it's a management problem or if it's uh you know something deeper rooted uh locker room chemistry things like that um if the Buffalo Sabres were to trade Jack Eichel uh, I truly believe they would be in contention to get the first round pick again. Their their team is it's the same problems they've been facing for the past couple decades now. It's the lack of depth, you know, no goaltending, management isn't good enough, they have locker room chemistry issues. Um, besides Buffalo, though, what are your top picks um, or top teams rather to get the number one pick this year? Well, that's going to be uh, a little tougher uh, to say this year. Uh, the divisions are realigned, of course, uh, so you never know who's going to be towards the bottom. Personally, I think the front runner is Buffalo, but uh, someone or a team that I think a lot of people might see surprising on there. Number two, I see the Columbus Blue Jackets being in the running for the first overall pick this year. A team that not a lot of people think about, but they have struggled immensely they had a horrible last half of the season Uh, they just relieved John Tortorella of his job towards the end of the season they are in 
a very, very tough spot right now. And uh, with Seth Jones leaving and with uh, Zach Wierenski having uh, injury trouble, I don't think they have the team that they need to have to avoid being at the bottom. I don't think they're necessarily going to tank, but I also don't think they're going to be able to field a good enough hockey team. Uh, others, though, um, so Buffalo, Columbus, Detroit is up there, you know, whether they're either going to be towards the bottom again or they're going to be, you know, just a middle-of-the-pack team that misses out on the playoffs. Uh, other teams, Seattle, I think, is definitely, you know, far off from where Vegas was as an expansion team. I don't think Seattle is going to have a, you know, magical run the way Vegas did. I think they'll be in contention for the first overall pick. Uh, I think Arizona is up there as well. Of course, there's a lot of drama going on in Arizona right now as far as their future in Arizona goes. Uh, I heard some kind of deal to keep them in Arizona, but it's clear that they won't be staying in Glendale. So that uh, the first overall pick could be the least of their worries right now. Yeah, who knows? Maybe we'll see them uh, become the Phoenix Coyotes once again. Yeah, it would be it'd be cool to have them back in Phoenix. Uh, I'm not uh, against having hockey in the desert uh, personally. I I think that it's great that that team is out there in Arizona. I think it's a good market. I remember when the Red Wings used to play them in the playoffs. It looked like you know all the fans there were crazy about hockey, and I think if they're able to have a good team once again, their fan base will start to show up. Uh, but speaking of the Red Wings, too, as an outsider of the Detroit Red Wings, and someone who spent a lot of time around me, a Red Wings fan, so knows uh, enough about the team, I'd say. Uh, you've come to enough games. But uh, what do you think the state of Hockey Town is? Do you think they're closer to the first overall pick, or do you think they're closer to finally being back in the hunt? Uh, personally, I think they're kind of where they were at, uh, in this most recent season where they finished, uh, fifth, I believe in the, in the standings there or fifth of the, fifth of the bottom, of course. Um, but, uh, they're just in this weird middle ground where they have a lot of good pieces, um, but they just don't have quite enough to make it in the playoffs. Uh, obviously if you're not going to make the playoffs by a good margin, you're just better off tanking, getting a very good pick. Um, but they have a lot of players who haven't played full-time yet. They have Joe Bellino. Uh, they have this most recent pick. Uh, I can't remember his name, but he's absolutely phenomenal. He's projected as one of the highest um, players out of his draft class, Lucas Raymond. Right. right uh, so right. they have a lot of pieces. Uh, Maritz Sider as well. Uh, they just need a solid system. They need the guy. Dylan Larkin is an amazing forward. He has excellent foresight. He can move the puck, and he is so fast on his feet. But I don't think he's the superstar caliber as a Patrice Bergeron, a Jonathan Taze, uh, a true leader like those guys, if that makes sense. So I think perhaps, honestly, if they were to make a big trade, uh, sign another free agent next year, I think they could truly have an actual playoff run within a couple of years here. I think they're, they're getting really close. Of course, they have a, a new goaltending tandem as well. Thomas Grice and Nedeljkovic, Alex Nedeljkovic, joining the team, of course, after uh, the Canes were reluctant to sign him. 
at uh, $2.5 million uh, for someone, a goaltender that young who shows that much promise. You know, the Canes might uh, regret that in the future. But as far as the Red Wings go, uh, they trade trade out, basically, Bernier for Nedeljkovic. And I'd say that Bernier had been great for the Red Wings, don't get me wrong, but Thomas Grice and Nedeljkovic, pretty good tandem in goal. Would you say that's up there as far as goaltending tandems go in the league? I would say so, yes. Uh, a lot of uh, superstar teams, uh, such as the Tampa Bay Lightning, they only have the one guy. They only have Vasilevsky. Uh, even Vegas now, they had the best tandem by far in Fleury and Leonard, but with Fleury leaving, um, getting traded to the Blackhawks, uh, you're starting to see a lot of teams with just the main goalie and a capable backup, if that makes sense. Uh, the Red Wings, with Thomas Grice taking lead and Novelkovich, even if they split time 50-50, I think you give Novelkovich a year or two to develop, maybe trade Grice or even let him go to free agency wherever he wants. You have a very solid starting goaltender, very young, who will be with the team for a long time, hopefully. Definitely long enough for one of their prospects to develop. Of course, Kosa picked up in this draft will be uh, able to have the time he needs to develop. And the rest of the team, of course, uh, you're looking at Philip Zadina to take a huge step forward, Joe Valeno to take a huge step forward, Jacob Vrana to take another step. And of course, newcomer Pew Suter from the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, quite odd for the Blackhawks to lose such a quality player. He is 25 years old, so not the youngest of prospects last year for a rookie, but to come into the league, he scored a hat trick against these Detroit Red Wings, and he showed so much promise. Uh, so losing a player like that for Chicago has got to hurt, but what do you think that means for the Red Wings to add a rookie like that? And and to show that there's players out there that are willing to sign with this team and, you know, look towards the future? Um, you know, it just kind of speaks to uh, the upper management, to be honest. I mean, ever since coming into the Red Wings organization uh, as the general manager, Steve Eisenman has done a tremendous job. He's uh, arguably one of the best GMs over the past uh, two years now. Um, just phenomenal trades, phenomenal signings. I mean... If you were to compare this roster of the Detroit Red Wings to the roster two years ago, it is insanely better. It's not even close the amount of, of cap space they've freed up, the amount of players they've taken on who are great depth pieces, great top six players. And uh, I think acquiring Pew Suter is just another showing of that, of how excellent Stevie Eiserman has been. For certain. And, of course, Valtteri Filppula and Franz Nielsen – have been uh, removed from the team. Franz Nielsen bought out Valtteri Filppula, is going to finish his career in Finland, of course. Frees up two spots for younger guys like Jonathan Bergeron, and of course, more prospects that can make this team. Joe Valeno, I think, will be a mainstay on this team, but in training camp, there's a lot of young guys out there that, you know, they need to show up now and, and prove that they're ready to step up to the NHL because this is a season that I think the Red Wings are going to want to give their all. And if they're healthy with their top six uh, of Larkin, you know, Fabry, Bertuzzi, 
you know, if they have their best players going every night, you know, Verana's playing, Zadina's playing, Troy Stetcher's on the back end, Gustav Lidstrom continues to take a step. They have uh, a top six that I think is comparable to most other teams in the National Hockey League, at least. Uh, they're still missing that star power, as you mentioned, but the biggest problem had been scoring, power play, and defense. And they have a good enough top six to score now. They have enough pieces to put a good enough power play on. And they went out and they added Nick Letty to their back end. What do you think Nick Letty brings from the Isles? And do you think that he is a player that these young guys, you know, should formulate their game around? Uh, I think it's one of those uh, players that when you bring them in at first, you're thinking, oh, well, he's kind of older. He might not fit the play style of our team, but the more you look at him in the Detroit Red Wings system, the, the more it makes sense, right? You have all these young players, Philip Peronik, uh, Troy Stetcher, as you mentioned, who they don't really have a Nicholas Cronwall to look up to, all right? Uh, I believe Cronwall retired a year or two uh, before the Red Wings drafted um, Peronik. So when you bring in a guy like Nick Letty, who has years of experience, who is a very capable top four defenseman, uh, it really helps other defensemen see his play style, pick up on those things that Nick Letty's learned over his tenure as a defenseman uh, in the National Hockey League. And I really do think his playoff experience as well will tremendously help the back end of the Detroit Red Wings and hopefully give Thomas Grice and Nedeljkovic uh, some breathing room this year. And, of course, uh, Nick Letty coming over from the Isles and one of the best defensive teams in the league. Barry Trotz has molded that team. Do you think that uh, a lot of what Letty's learned on the island will translate over and that he'll be able to bring in a better era of defense this coming year? Uh, I would certainly hope so. Uh, The Isles obviously play a very uh, weird system. They play uh, a modified trap. Uh, The Red Wings uh, don't play quite the same system, but I do believe that if you can play the trap, you can play any style of hockey. Uh, And the Red Wings spending most of the time in their defensive end, I really think uh, Nick Letty will help, you know, clear the puck, get some better breakouts, and he'll help the entire system as a whole kind of progress. Well, right you are, I think, but we'll move on to some news that's happened over the past couple weeks or the past week in general has kind of been crazy as far as the stories that have broke so it's very kakanyami got offer sheeted by the carolina hurricanes right and a couple days later and about a week later the canadians are like yeah we're not going to match it so the canes give up a first and a third for Kakanyami, both of those picks in 2020-22. So if you're the Canadians, you know, what what are you thinking not, you know, matching that offer sheet after Kakanyami was so vital to your deep playoff run this previous year? Um, you know, from the Canadians management standpoint, uh, $6 million for a player who's only had a year in the National Hockey League is a lot of money. Um, don't get me wrong, Kasperi uh, Kakanyami, an excellent player. He shows a lot of upside. He's very, very young, but he just doesn't have that experience, uh, right? So $6 million 
they're thinking maybe um, perhaps we could sign a free agent or maybe we can make a trade. And that's exactly what they ended up doing. Um, so they lose Kakaniemi, but then they go and get a player from Arizona that I absolutely love, and it's Christian Dvorak. Now, this guy, he's been in the National Hockey League for about six-plus years now, and he shows a lot of upside. He's still very young. He was drafted on only 2014, uh, so he's got to be only 25-ish, and he has put up numbers like you wouldn't believe in the OHL. And ever since joining the National Hockey League, he's put up just as many points. Uh, he's got an average of around 35-ish, which playing on an Arizona team that struggled for the past forever, really, is phenomenal that he can do a role like that. So bring Dvorak now onto a stronger Montreal team, I mean, we're talking about a 40, maybe even 50-plus point getter. Right, and a lot of people say that on the Arizona Coyotes, Dvorak is uh, one of those players that slips through the cracks. You know, the lens isn't always on him. And silently going in his first season in the National Hockey League, having 15 goals, uh, 33 points, that's no small achievement. 33 points in the National Hockey League in your first year is pretty good. And then, uh, you know, 37 his next year, and then his best ever year in 2020 with 38 points. And then last year in the shortened season, having 31 points. He's right around, you know, where you'd expect him to be and I think his ceiling is higher and when you see a player like this who has you know 33 37 38 31 points in his tenures in the NHL you can see that he's consistently going to put up that amount of points right so you know if you're the Canadians what you're gonna get you know you can see you can look back you know at 2014 2015 when he has 109 points you can look in 2015 2016 when he has 121 points for the London Knights, right? So you know that the ability is there, and he has a massive ceiling for a young player. But then you can also look at his NHL, you know, years and say that this is a guy who's very consistent and that will, you know, give me 30-plus points and will add to this team. Uh, whereas Kakiniemi, I believe, you look at that and you're very unsure about what you're going to get. Dvorak, by the way, I be is cheaper than Kakiniemi, so frees up space to make another move too if you need to but when you look at it from the Canes perspective why offer sheet this guy why why take the chance if you're the Carolina Hurricanes uh at first I believe it started off uh, almost as a practical prank um a couple years ago now uh, the Montreal Canadiens actually offer sheeted uh, their best player in Sebastian Ajo um and if you actually look at the statements from both GMs, uh, the one from where they tried to sign Sebastian Ajo and this most recent one where the Canes ended up signing Kasperi Kakniami, the statements are exactly the same. Word for word, it, it's, it almost seems like it was a joke. Um, so perhaps it was more of a revenge thing than anything, but ultimately it, it I believe, will end up working out. Um, Kakniami going to a much stronger team and uh, the Hurricanes will have a hopefully better winger support and center support and a better back end as well to play on the power play. The Carolina Hurricanes, of course, parted ways with Dougie Hamilton, Nadelkovich, and Mrazik. 
Uh, all things considered, though, they came up short to the Tampa Bay Lightning, and I don't believe that they need to change all that much to be true contenders. You have Sebastian Ajo. Uh, you have Nino Niederreier. You have Jordan Stahl, Andrei Shveshnikov. You have Vincent Trocek, uh, Tervo Teravainen. You have a plethora of great defensemen. You have Jacob Slavin, Brady Shea. Uh, you have these players coming in as well. Kaki Niemi, Ethan Bear, Frederick Anderson as a new goalie. And this is a team that can contend for uh, a Stanley Cup, no? Uh, I absolutely believe that they can. Uh, they are in arguably the hardest division in the uh, Metropolitan. But uh, when you bring in a goaltender like Frederick Anderson, who I personally believe is the top five goaltender in the league, uh, it brings a lot of confidence. Uh, not only that, he is 31, so he has plenty of experience both in the playoffs, uh, while not seeing much success, and in the regular season. Uh, and then you bring in, basically you trade Dougie Hamilton uh, for a younger defenseman and Ethan Bear, and then with the extra cap space between that difference, uh, you can basically get Kotkaniemi for free. So it, they did add quite a bit to make up for the loss. I really do believe that they're in strong contention to be one of the best teams in the league, let alone the Metropolitan. Uh, of course, I believe they have the, those great guys in their bottom six that great role players. Jordan Martinook comes to mind, of course. Uh, you have plenty of bottom six players. And Marty Natchez had a year to remember it last year. This kid had a breakout season, and he is signed for such a great contract. His, his contract, he's, he's paid under a million dollars, and I cannot believe that. So... He is a great guy. They have role players. They have big players. They have everything you need for a deep cup run. But these three teams, the Canes, the Coyotes, and the Canadians, who do you think is in best shape now? You know, so Dvorak leaves Arizona, goes to Montreal. Arizona, really, all they got out of this is a, a first round in 2022 and a second round in 2024. Uh, the Canes got Niemi out of it, but gave up a first and a third, which, of course, Montreal gained. So what do you think? Who's the big winner here? Uh, you know, I would personally have to give it to the Montreal Canadiens, uh, just based on these players moving where they did. Uh, and the reason being is... They shed some cap space going from $6 million to Kakaniami to, you know, three-ish million to Dvorak. Uh, so the extra cap space can really help, especially at the trade deadline. Not only that, but as of right now, as of this very moment, not in five years, not in the previous seasons, but as of this season right now, Christian Dvorak is unarguably the better player out of the two. And they still keep... Uh, their own first round. They gave up uh, the Hurricanes' first round and their second round. So they come out basically trading a second-round pick for a third-round pick, and they get a player who's better and takes up less cap space. Well, for certain, I'd have to agree. I personally think the Canes come out as the winners there, which I think uh, whichever route you go, whether you think the Canes or the Habs came out on top, uh, both players filled a need, and those are the kind of trades that are very interesting. So, 
That brings us to the back half here where I'm going to give you a couple of rapid questions that I kind of just want to pick your brain about. So, do you think that the divisions realigning affect who's going to be the best teams this year? I absolutely believe so. And uh, you can argue this because you can look at the previous standings and the current standings, um, but uh, standings such as the Pacific, right, and the Central this year are, are so weak. I mean, especially looking at the Pacific, you have teams like Los Angeles, uh, Anaheim Ducks, San Jose Sharks, Calgary, Vancouver. They're all really weak teams. But because they're all in the same division this year, that uh, gives teams like Vancouver, Calgary, even the Ducks, perhaps, if they you know get a little help, uh, even San Jose, if uh, Martin Jones performs very well, they can they could make the playoffs. Uh, they can get a wild card spot or something like that. Um, last year, when they're stuck in the division with uh, you know the Maple Leaves and the Montreal Canadiens and you know all the other uh, Canadian teams, it, it really harbors. Uh, their performance overall in the standings. So would you say then that uh, the weakest division, you think that's out west? Yeah, I would have to give it to the Pacific. Uh, and part of it is because in the Atlantic, for example, you have obviously some, some rougher teams. You have Ottawa, Buffalo, Detroit, all in the same division. But then the top five, are stacked. You have Tampa Bay, you have Toronto, Florida is an excellent team. Montreal made it to the finals last year. I mean, they could have an arguably just as good season now that they have Christian Dvorak. And then you have Boston, which is always an excellent team. Um, in the Central Division, you have Dallas, who they got Ryan Suter this offseason. Uh, Tyler Sagan's poised to come back with a huge rebound season you have colorado chicago who got seth jones winnipeg's an excellent team with depth nashville and st louis could make good runs if they just have a little bit of help and uh, they only have a couple weak teams arizona of course is in there and uh, they just got a lot of picks uh, in the dvorak trades so hopefully they can turn their season around even though they lost him but uh, the pacific is just they're missing those big guys the only real guaranteed playoff spot they have is Vegas. Everyone else is, is up for the toss. For certain, for certain. And, and Vegas, of course, was able to contend for the President's Trophy last year. So uh, having them in a weaker division like that gives them a lock into the playoffs, essentially. But So that leaves one more that you didn't mention that I think we both agree would be the toughest division, and, and that would be the Metro. Yeah, I mean, it's arguably been the hardest division for uh, a decade or even two decades now. I mean, you have uh, teams like Washington, you know, that have the grade eight, obviously. Philadelphia, a younger team, but they still have some star power in, in Voracek and Drew there. Excellent goaltender in Carter Hart. New York Rangers, I mean, they have the Norris winner in Adam Fox, and they have a lot of young guys there. Uh, Carolina, I mean, we've talked about enough on this show, an excellent team all around, great depth. Uh, the only teams in this division that are really, you know, you could argue will never make the playoffs in a few years are New Jersey and Columbus. But even then, New Jersey has a lot of first-round picks in the past five years. They have Jack Hughes. Uh, I believe they just drafted uh, one of 
the Hughes brothers, I believe. Um, and they have a lot of depth. They still have P.K. Subban, an excellent defenseman and a leader. Uh, and Columbus, I mean, we mentioned it earlier, they just don't have anything going for them, right? And uh, I believe just because of how hard this division is, the teams we've talked about, this is the reason why Pittsburgh could miss the playoffs. Uh, in any other division, I personally think they're a lock. Uh, except for maybe the Atlantic. The Atlantic is very, very competitive, of course. But uh, if you were to put Pittsburgh in the Pacific Division, for example, I mean, they they would be right up there with Vegas in points. Um, but when they have to go up against uh, teams like Washington and Philadelphia, the New York Islanders, they, sh- they really struggle against teams like that with big guys who hit hard. The Penguins just aren't as physical as other teams, and their speed game isn't as good as it was four years ago. Well, I think you're absolutely right with that assessment, but uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins, you can never count them out. Always a, a team that can shock you. And, and remember in 2016, you know, they they were last in the NHL before they rallied to, to win that Stanley Cup. So uh, whenever you think the Pittsburgh Penguins are down, they turn around and shock you. But I would absolutely agree the Metro is the toughest. Uh, you look at uh, even New Jersey, too, uh, in, which I think is probably in the bottom of those teams. I mean, they add Dougie Hamilton this year to their back end, and uh, if they can get some solid goaltending, which they have Jonathan Bernier, who was able to have stellar seasons with the Detroit Red Wings, you know, a team that was not giving him any help, and, and he consistently had good save percentages, and, you know, he was the reason they'd win when they were able to win. So they have a great goaltender. They have great defense now. Uh, the only question is going to be, you know, is, is Nico Heischer going to be healthy? You know, their newly named captain, will he be there night in and night out? Will they have the offensive production to match these teams like the Pittsburgh Penguins, Washington Capitals, Philadelphia Flyers? And uh, that is vastly unproven. So I'm not sure if the, if the Devils will be able to match the offensive production for sure. Well, yeah, I absolutely agree. Yeah, for sure. The the Devils, you know, they're it's a rough it's a rough it's a rough division. And yeah. uh, you know, they I just don't know if they have the depth to do it. Uh, but uh, that's I'm sure all the time we have uh, for me on this show. Uh, I really want to thank you so much for having me on. And uh, hopefully I'll be back uh, next week or at least sometime this semester. Yeah, for sure. It has been uh, absolutely in- enjoyable. Good to have you back uh, downstate. Good to have you on the show, of course. Uh, one of our expert commentary men and uh, does a lot behind the scenes for the show that not everyone always sees. Uh, a lot of the sports writing, especially in the NHL, can be attributed to you. So we thank you for helping this week's winners. Uh run so smoothly uh but definitely for now i'm sure that's enough for the nhl and for this week that is probably going to be it as well it's about all the time we have so uh this week's winners uh has been great this week great to have you dempsey thanks so much uh next week's winners of course the nfl will return we're gonna have the second round of the national of the NASCAR playoffs. And of course we'll talk about the first round of the NASCAR playoffs uh, as well next week. It's been a crazy week, but thank you again so much for joining us today. 
And until next time, we will see you later.